Hi and welcome to another I Am A Health Visitor podcast. Uh, this is Jenny and I'm here with Amy. And, uh, Hello. And this podcast in the style of Nicholas Parsons is from the delight of my own kitchen. Um, it's very beautiful. Oh, thank it's you. It's much more fancy than the delights of my tiny flat that we were in last time. So. Oh, I like your tiny flat though. It reminds me of like 80s sitcoms that I used to watch. <laughs> about kind of people living in flats and what I aspired <laughs> to live in and things. That's what we were going for, actually. Yeah. Um, also, we're hoping not. Um, TV and biscuits have been deployed to hopefully keep Mr. A happy. But if there are any weird pauses in the podcast recording, you will know that he came to join us. Slash guest appearances. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be looking forward to those VIP yeah. guest moments. Possibly from someone slightly... Uh, more educated, more experienced. Yeah, much more knowledgeable. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the new addition to the Universal Routine Vaccination Programme from the 1st of August. Um, the immunisation, the routine immunisation schedule has been updated and all babies will be able to receive as part of their 8, um, 12 and 16 normal vaccinations the hexav hexavalent is that um, how we're pronouncing it oh hexavalent. hexavalent yes yes because it's no longer <laughs> the five in one exactly it's the six in the one hexavalent yeah i'm not very good at pronouncing things as well no learning. not great skill for a podcaster you feel like well, that should be a criteria i think it more inspires it. our listeners to go and look it up <laughs> <laughs> And then they they can they can get back to us with how they pronounced it. Yeah, let, and let us on, know. Feel free to send us audio clips of yourselves reading this word and telling us how you think it should be pronounced. Anyway, we're going to go for hexavalent. Um, so it is now the the one the previous vaccine was the DTaP, IPV, and Hib, and we're now adding in the Hep B into that vaccine. So it's a new vaccine to England. It's actually not a new vaccine overall. No. Um, but it's new to the UK. So I guess I didn't really know anything about this. Did you know this? How, how did you find I, out I did about see this? some information about it coming in. Mm. Um, it does seem to have been slightly lower key. If we look back to just mm. a couple of years when the Men B was coming in, yeah. um, there doesn't seem to be anywhere near as much no. information about it. But strangely, I'm finding it, obviously it's like we're covering on our new birth visits when we talk about immunisations um, and our, our six to eight week reviews. Um, and I don't know whether it's just the area I'm working on or something, but the parents seem to be quite nonplussed by it. They they do seem to be seem quite to happy to be, to be doing worried. it. Although I'm, I do cover quite a, an area with quite a big international population mm. and it does almost feel like in a lot of other areas, I mean, I'm thinking we have a lot of um, sort of Korean families, um, South African families. There mm. does seem to be an acceptance that, yeah, we, we do we do immunise. And yeah. fine, if those are the immunisations you're offering, I think I get far more parents concerned that they're not being offered the BCG okay. than I get parents concerned about what we're actually offering and accepting that offering with the be- with the their yeah. immunizations and hopefully that kind of reflects a bit of a change um in uptake and i think jenny you've looked at an article which we'll probably come to yes i was going to say um, yeah yeah we kind of 
that great jumping ahead of it but hey yeah. you know still to come yeah <laughs> there you go it's a trailer to keep you interested <laughs> yeah. so the boring stuff is that this vaccine is not a new it's not a new vaccine itself it's been licensed for use in 97 other countries including canada australia and new zealand so did you say nine to seven or 97 97 yeah wow and so i think i think something which immediately springs to mind for me is i'm thinking where does this leave our um our babies we have often coming through on the um the hep b program Uh, is it all covered with that or so this is in addition to the hep b program but there are some slight changes to the way it's delivered which i will come to i thought this would be a very simple answer to that question however it's not as is most things in life it's more complicated than you think it's going to be again it's Um, a it's one of the reasons that we did this podcast we were feeling like we weren't able to research things and i think this is going to show sort of yeah. <laughs> your research. Go for it. <laughs> well, so basically, this has been a vaccine which has been recommended universally since 1992. They, the World, yeah, the World really? Health Assembly in 1992 said all countries should be offering universally a Hep B vaccination. However, the UK didn't take up on it, and their argument for why they didn't was because um, they didn't have particularly high prevalence rates um, or incidence rates for hepatitis B. So, so this they was... said there's low levels in the population anyway, so we're not going to be worrying about introducing it universally. But most of the places did, which is why 97 other countries are currently using it. And this so is, you know... It's we, been... we're, we're probably seeing parents on yeah. our caseload who yeah. <laughs> are younger than this recommendation. Exactly, yeah. It's not, it's not a new idea, really. And I think that's a good message to be getting out to parents as well, to kind of reassure them, because I think people yeah. do feel a little bit anxious about the idea of a new vaccine. But actually, there's 150 million doses of this vaccine which have been given out around the world, and there's no significant adverse effects that have been reported no. as a result of it. So it is a very safe one. It's very yeah. well-researched. Um, it's it's well established. Yeah. It's just that it's new to the UK. Cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, now we have the five, the six in one, basically combination vaccine. That's the reason they have introduced it as part of the UK schedule. Cool. So, so yeah. um, I know you sort of explained about. So how how does this slot in, and how does it work with? like what the accelerated program that we're used to and things yeah so there's actually there's two documents public health england have produced there's one specifically on the hexavalent that's that word again hexavalent and then there's another one which is about the high risk hep b selective immunization program which has been updated since they've released this new vaccine right so it's because telling you what the changes are to that as well cool because it used to be maternal hep b would be on the accelerated program yeah and also children who were in families with yes hep b cases within family yeah so they so as of now and i think this is the same but i'll just say the advice as of now so we don't confuse anyone yeah and now being we are in september 2017, 2017 yes so this is as of the 1st of august 2017 babies born to hib to hepatitis B infected mothers um, are classified as high risk. So they should be having two programmes running alongside each other, really. They're having their at-birth 
they're having yeah. the Hep B vaccine straight away. Um, then they're having another dose of that single Hep B vaccine, the monovalent one. Mm. They're having that at four weeks. And then they're having their routine eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks. The same as everyone else's, so that includes the Hep B on the Includes the hexavalent. One. Includes the hexavalent. And then they're also having their one-year booster on the Hep B programme. And is that a one-year that they have the blood test? Yes, exactly. Right, they have the okay. blood test as well. So essentially, if babies are high risk for hepatitis B, they're actually having six right. vaccines for Hep B because they're having the birth four weeks and one yeah. year as part of the single dose and yeah. then they're having the three doses as part of the universal program cool. as well because one of these things where I, th- I mean i don't know the overall effic- effic- efficacy of the hep b vaccine but i know for myself i had to have extra boosters oh, when i was getting my sort of yeah um Oki health coverage when i was a student nurse it yes. did seem that i was somewhat resilient to uh, to actually uh Getting antibodies yeah. against Hep B. So, you're very so hardy I wonder, then, yeah, well, that aura. I don't know what that says about me. Um, but it, so it makes sense in a way that some babies do need further protection. That yeah. although six sounds like a lot, I can imagine it actually taking that for some babies to have full coverage. Yes, and and I guess is is the point is that if you do have hep b there isn't necessarily symptoms so they'd blood test you at 12 months because just in case you haven't acquired immunity yeah um, however what they do say is that the vaccine the three in the the six in one hexavalent, hexavalent vaccine is um 99.5 percent effective at um developing protective levels of antibodies against hep b um cool. by two three four months of age um so it is an effective yeah. vaccine but the point is that it's obviously never a hundred percent and we test all babies to see if they actually have the condition so the point of that test is not really to check whether the vaccine's been effective it's really more to check whether they actually have the vaccine so yeah. even though the vaccine may have worked in terms of giving them some protection have they still got active yeah Protect B, yeah. in which case they're going to need referring on, obviously, for more specialist care and to look at how, what impact that's going to have on them later yes. on. And um, for those who have Hep B in the family but not a direct maternal link, um, yes. am I right in thinking that there is, they're, they're not just having those, the, the three regular um, doses on hexavalent, but they they're, they're having an extra as well, are they not? Or So, yes, if they... If they are born to Hep B negative women, but they're going home to a household with another Hep B person, um, they are given the discharge from hospital dose, the birth dose, and then they have the routine schedule. So they don't have Lovely. the four week no. dose, and they don't have the one year booster. Yeah. Um, so there's just it's slightly different, really. Um, and I guess a question people might ask is, well, is it not risky? to give um, my child six doses of Hep B, are they not going to overdose on it in some way? Yeah. <laughs> so that's you can see that being a question. So if, if anyone's asked that question, the answer is that it's there's absolutely no um, harmful impact of having additional doses of Hep B vaccine. Um, 
it's very well tolerated and there's no concerns around giving extra. The main thing to bear in mind with the Hep B vaccines is that it's all about the timing. So it's quite important for health visitors to know that if you've got a high risk baby, it's at birth, four weeks, then the routine schedule, yeah. and then again, and then again, at, again one at one year. year. So those, and it's quite important, especially the four week one, that they have that on time, which I yeah. didn't really realise quite how important the timing was. Oh yeah, no, that is yeah. yeah. In my um, first community job, I was a community nursery nurse, um, no, community nurse on health mm. visiting team, mm. and uh, yeah, one of my my jobs was sort of to do the admin wise of ordering the vaccine for okay. it to be then delivered to the GP surgery for the practice nurse to give at the four week mark yeah okay so yeah so I guess that's kind of an overview of what do you need to know about this new vaccine brilliant um I don't know if there's any questions that come into your mind that you think parents might ask that we've not covered um no, I, mean, I think there's always going to be some who question about the safety and things, but I think we're really lucky in that we've got quite robust information for parents via the NHS website as well mm. these days. Yeah. Um, and I think we're getting more and more parents who are coming to us having done some research as well. That's true. Which is quite useful. It's where you, you suddenly realise how useful all that, um, all the research modules were during your training. Yeah. When you've got parents who've researched something coming to you, and asking around that and you can sort of share, you know, discuss it with them, look through what they're showing yeah. you and be able to point out the, the validity or the holes the bias, in that research. Yeah, trials, yeah. um, so that can be quite useful. Yeah, I think the other thing to mention that I haven't said, um, sorry about that, is that we're dropping the booster doses. Um, so we're doing the high risk children having a blood test at 12 months but then there was previously a booster dose the preschool booster at oh, three years, four okay. months. so we're now not having that they've done quite a lot of research on it and they're saying that you if you've had the routine if you've had the hexavalent yes, vaccine, well, done. <laughs> well done thank you very much I give myself a pat on the back for that um so what I was going to say was, so you mentioned earlier the article I'd looked at and um, we looked at an article which we'll have the link to, um, a Campbell et al, it's from Vaccine 35 and the very exciting thing about this article um, is because obviously having been out of uni for a year now I don't have access to the library but I actually get access to this at home mm. having signed up to NHS England's Open Athens um, which actually all NHS staff are eligible for. Um, albeit, you know, being in England, we went via NHS England. Um, but there, you can look it up on the on that page. There are also links to the NHS Scotland, NHS Wales, and NHS Northern Ireland. Ah. Um, also have these Open Athens accounts, and you can get onto Ovid, my old friend. <laughs> oh, how I've missed searching on Ovid for things. Um, but you can then do research on there, which is very useful. And um, so we, I found this article, Changing Attitudes to Childhood Immunisation in English Parents, and it's a really interesting um, article. Um, it was published in um, la, 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 March this year, um, so it is relatively recent, mm. um, but it actually reviews um, survey results take from a survey taken in 2015 to similar surveys take and similar data available um, for, right from sort of the early noughties. Mm. Um, and 
it's really interesting to see actually even over the last sort of five seven years how much attitudes towards immunizations have changed um if you think sort of in the early noughties there was a lot of um a lot of people not wanting to use the M- have the MMR, yes, and a lot yes. of mistrust and mm. real kind of feelings of um, concern around the immunisation program, um, and this almost seems to have swung around completely. So, even looking at data from twenty ten, um, the research they had available um, suggests that seventy two percent of pair of um, children had had immunisations when due. I mean, that's like 28% who were either delaying. Yeah. And now the, the interesting thing is the, the rate of refusing seems to remain quite steady at around about 1%. Okay. Um, but actually, you know, people looking at delaying the immunizations right. has really dropped. Um, to 2015, when no, this latest research, 90% had had immunizations wow. on time. That's actually higher than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And is this a national survey they've done? Um, it was over several areas, yeah. So um So like multi site. Yes. So it's quite a good it's quite a good data yeah. you yeah. think. Um yeah, they there's like two hundred and seventy five nationally representative sampling locations. Oh wow. Um two hundred and seventy five. Yeah, yeah. They aim to recruit um a thousand parents of children aged naught to two years and a thousand of children aged three to four years. Um, and they were actually they were doing interviews, so I think that always means you get a bit of a better that, result yeah. than just a postal survey or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, and they actually had, they ended up getting a sample of about one, just over, or just under 1,800 parents. Okay, so quite a good size So sample. a good size survey. Especially good size interviews, that's a very... Yeah, thing, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where obviously, yeah, we'll put the link to the article so you can read through the method and everything. Um, it is sort of one of those things where I could talk all night yeah, about yeah, that. Absolutely. But just the headlines. Children to collect from school and things. No, definitely. <laughs> and also, you know, we're doing this podcast so that you don't have to exactly. do all of the reading. Exactly. But we're kind of making it, hopefully, accessible chunks of information. Yeah. So the, the interesting things to come out of it were that actually it seemed to be that less, despite these increased rates in parents' giving immunizations there did seem to be slightly less um parents actually feeling like they had any awareness about um immunizations and seeing information about immunizations and things so you know back in the early 90s there was a peak of like 91 percent saying that they had awareness of having seen information or heard or read about immunizations in the last 12 months and interestingly, of that, 33% had seen or heard or read things that made them doubt having their children immunised. Okay. Whereas now in this latest data in um, March, March 2015, it was only 53% who had any awareness. But then of that, only 12% who felt they'd heard things that would dissuade them from immunising. Okay, that's good. So it's that kind of weird thing. But it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Where rates are going up, but knowledge seems to be less. Is, yeah, that's funny. But then the reassuring thing for us um, is that actually um, when looking at who they felt was giving 
um, who they, they felt they could strongly trust the advice given by, mm-hmm. is that for GPs, health visitors and practice nurses in 2015, 60% oh, wow, of parents good. strongly agreed that we were a good source of information, that they trusted the information we were giving. That's which in comparison we, to how many? In in, well, the lowest peak in this the, the, the data available is that in November 2004, only 37% oh, wow. of parents were... So that's quite a big change. Yeah. But then the interesting thing as well is that um, around sort of between 2007, 2010, around about 4%, um, of of um, parents surveyed felt they strongly trusted information in the media, okay. which given that is like post Wakefield, yeah. post the MMR scandal, after Bad Medicine by yeah. uh, by Ben or Bad Science, sorry Bad by science, Ben Goldacre. Yeah. Um, surely everyone read that book, didn't they? Yeah. They all saw how the media fueled <laughs> the MMR sc- scandal. <laughs> Um, but actually, by March 2015, 17% of parents, so a big leap, albeit yeah. the trust in us has risen, trust in the media has risen, although we were sort yeah. of discussing earlier, and realised that media is quite a... Uh, um, Different beast now, what's, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're not just thinking newspapers, TV, we're actually thinking about social media, yeah. mum's net, yes. and all things like that as well. Which brings me neatly onto something I was going to tell you. And oh, I right. I told you in advance of this. No. We always discuss things before the podcast. Yes. Um, Come on, spill, spill. Well, so I, when I was looking for this information on this Hep B, the new Hep B vaccine, the first thing I did was put the name of the vaccine, which is Infanrix Hexa UK, or Infanrix Hexa followed by UK, to bring up the relevant information. I was hoping it was going to give me all the government pages and everything, which it does do. But the one, two, three, four, fifth link down on my Google search is the Mumsnet topic. And the headline of that topic, Janu, do you want to know what it is? Oh, does it start... A-I-B-U? <laughs> no. Oh, so it's not am I being reasonable? So, okay, it might be there's some sort of rational argument behind it. Well, it does start, 72 babies died within 20 days of receiving GSK Infrarix. Oh, okay. Now, I haven't read the full thread, obviously, but, but I think that's quite an alarming thing to come yeah, up for the and fifth given, topic on Given Google. your statistics on how widely the... Um, how widely the vaccine is used, how know, long it's exactly. been used for. Are we are we suggesting there could be an element of rather than causation, yeah. um, definite kind of correlation? If that, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, I think even calling it correlation might not be quite accurate. I mean, it is one of these things where actually, you know, I mean, and the paper does discuss about how there is a huge increase. I mean. Um, 84% of parents in the survey in 2015 are using the internet daily compared with 62% in 2010. Um, 9% use the internet several times a week and only 3% never use the internet. Um, and actually a really high 66% of parents had heard of NHS Choices website, but only 45% have visited it, which actually isn't bad no and I think sometimes there is that safety net of knowing that the knowledge is there it's like I'm I'm happy that so many parents know that there is the website there to use yeah and in fairness you know I think there's a lot of rational like you say like rational thought now and yeah I think people are starting to 
almost question it when they read a headline like that they don't go oh my goodness it must be unsafe there's no way i'm letting well, that I mean, near my children yeah if, if we if That's we look toward, look now, towards that amazing man that donald trump is <laughs> which you know we and should do for all bad things oh i i wake up every morning him. just thinking what is donald trump thinking <laughs> what should what i be donald doing trump today? Do today yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but I do, yeah, all his shouting and moaning about fake news. Mm. The funny thing is that actually I think a lot of people are now more looking at the news from the point of view of thinking, well, okay, is it, is is it accurate? It accurate? Mm. But probably from a very different angle to where Trump <laughs> yeah. looks at it from. Um, but, the, um, but no, um, so the NHS Choices, or NHS Director, NHS Choices and Mumsnet were the main websites used yeah. for information about immunisations. Um, and, and then, in fairness, this Mumsnet thread does have a bit of two-way kind of to and oh, yeah. and there are some good arguments that they've made, which is that you know you need to know the time period, you need to know the numbers of babies that you're comparing it yeah. to, you need to know what the comparable number of this is because it was they've attributed the deaths yeah. of these babies I, I, to SIDS. I always find What's it quite yeah. I, I always find it quite amusing that much as mum's net does get kind of oh mum's net yeah um if you often read threads like that it's like it's not often that far you have to go before there's a mum who claims to have some sort of scientific or research or medical background who and sometimes that might even be me <laughs> going oh <laughs> yeah. for Christ's sake da, 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 and putting on some yeah, genuine kind of common it. sense yeah. calming words and things um but the interesting was that yeah and um there parents who regularly use chat rooms or forums on the internet for information on immunizations were more likely far more likely to say they had seen things that would make them doubt having their child immunized or not wanting to immunize just 31 percent compared to eight percent of all parents okay um so it's kind of it, it there there is a bit of an element um and interestingly yeah the survey showed fewer parents as I said, already recalling or seeing or hearing about immunisations. Um, and it does alert that, you know, in the past, the um, media played a huge role generating the concerns around the MMR vaccine. Um, and actually, more considered approach. And I think, you know, the, the Men B was a big turning point mm. where suddenly, rather than this panic about, oh, it's a nanny state, they're introducing another immunisation, mm. mm. that there was that one story of that one poor girl who had lost her life to meningitis mm. B, the two-year-old. Mm. And I think because it was so widely shared on social media and things, everyone mm. thought there was a really huge amount of children who were losing their lives to meningitis B. Mm. But I think it did make almost a, you know, even more parents wanted it. And there was, they, we had complaints about not because we were offering yeah, it, because we, we weren't offering it to, to yeah. older children. Yeah. Um, so and I think the, the general message, I guess, is a fairly positive one, isn't it, really? Yeah, and it does highlight crucial role that we have in sort of advice in informing and advising on immunizations yeah um and the fact that we are sort of even in 2010 when the figures although we were still way above anywhere else from the point of view of trusted information sources and so i think you know big pats on the back to us really it is it's something which i think we kind yeah. of we become almost blasé about it i think because mm. such specialist practitioners we forget we the blur we blur the lines between common sense and 
um, specialist knowledge. Mm. And I think we do forget that. Actually, we do have really specialist mm. knowledge. And that even though it feels like we're saying the same thing a hundred times a day and that maybe mm. a robot could do this or something, mm. it can't be done. No. Yeah, we need to have that human touch, which we have. And it does actually um, make a difference. Make a difference. Parents, yeah. And just, yeah, the, the increased parental confidence in the vaccination programme is something which I think we have all all really worked hard to to contribute towards okay so i think really you know the take-home message for health visitors that are tuning in is that everyone's doing really well to kind of promote the vaccines already and we are making progress generally um, nationally and that if you're coming across parents that are asking about this new vaccine that you know you can confidently say you know what it's for when it's going to be given there's a good knowledge base behind it it's not new 97 other countries already doing it and there's been 150 million doses across the world and no serious um, documented adverse impact in all of those 150 million so that can give you some confidence in talking to parents about it hopefully definitely and Um, yeah we hope you found it useful and thanks for listening yeah take care in the meantime guys come back for another one Bye. bye